One comedian said, if evolution really was true, how come mothers only have two hands? <laughs> Someone said, a parent said, a two-year-old is kind of like having a blender, except you don't have a top for it. <laughs> One mother said, when my kids become wild and unruly, I use a knife-safe playpen. And when they're finished, I climb out. One mother gave this mom pro tip to her kids. If you're old enough to criticize what I put in your lunchbox, you're old enough to make it yourself. <laughs> That's pretty good right there, isn't it? All right. <laughs> One mother said, I love when my kids tell me they're bored. As if the lady standing in front of a full sink of dirty dishes is where you go to get ideas about how to have a good time. <laughs> One mother said, cleaning your house while your kids are still growing up is like shoveling the sidewalk before it stops snowing. <laughs> Can y'all appreciate that? <laughs> have you ever heard the statement, not all who wander are lost? Okay, this mom said, not all who wonder are lost. Some are just moms in Target hiding from their children. <laughs> One mother said, being a mom means this. Kids banging on the bathroom door like a SWAT team. Asking for something to drink while you're in the shower and dad is in the kitchen. I mean, if y'all know that's true, mom, <laughs> why don't you ask your daddy? He's right there. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> one mother said the easiest way to shop with kids is not to. <laughs> and then somebody said this, grandchildren are God's reward for you for not murdering your own kids. <laughs> oh, me. <laughs> Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Now this is an interesting passage to me. Because these instructions here in Ephesians 6 are really a carryover from chapter 5. And in verse 18, if you remember the context, he is dealing with the spirit-filled life. And manifesting spiritfulness. And he talks about our reverence, our worship, our praise, and that's how we do it. In one form, we manifest the fullness of the Spirit. Be not drunk with wine, verse 18, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So in verse 19, he talks about our reverence. But then beginning in verses 21 down through the, this text, he talks about our relationships and how we manifest spirit fullness. He first of all talked about that we manifest this as we submit to one another. Well, that's very interesting. We're not going to talk about that tonight. We already have in recent weeks. Then he moves on to the husband-wife relationship. He told the husband to love the wife like Christ loved the church. He told the wife to submit to her husband like she would submit to the Lord. So he covers the husband-wife relationship. And then he covers the, the child-parent relationship here in chapter 6, verse 1. And he says, if you're a spirit-filled child, guess what you're going to do? You're going to obey your parents. You're going to honor your parents. This is right. And he goes down through verse 3. And then he says, if you're a spirit-filled worker, 
Verse 5, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. He, he talks about that, uh, uh, not with eye service, verse 6. And then he says, if you're a spirit-filled employer, a spirit-filled master, verse 9, and you masters do the same things, forbearing, threatening, or putting this off, don't threaten your workers, knowing that your master also is in heaven. So in other words, he's saying that spirit fullness is to be manifested in every relationship, legitimate relationship that we have in life. And so I have, I have failed to mention one that he does in the text, and that's the parent relationship to the children, the parent-child relationship. And that brings us to verse 4. Now, the Lord highlights fathers here because I have to say this. Now, don't get mad at me, gang. But this is just truth. When it comes to a biblical home, a typical traditional home, the responsibility, the main responsibility for leadership is on the dad. Okay? Everybody understand that? It's on the man. Because God, that's, that's God's idea. I do know, I do know that there are situations where that's not applicable. Because there's not a dad in the situation. There's not a man in the house. He has either, either through death or through departure. But the man is not there. So I understand that. Okay? For a number of years in my life, my mother was a single parent. And the, the responsibility fell on her. Okay, I get that. I understand that. And there are instances of that even in Scripture. But so I'm talking tonight, though, about, about a God's intended plan for the men in the house. That's why I say, men, do not tune me out tonight. In times like these, in messages like these, lessons like these, I often see the women as the ones taking the notes. And that's not necessarily because the men are better listeners than the women. Okay. That's often because most men, even our men, myself included, in good Bible-preaching churches, we don't feel the same burden about this, unfortunately, that our wives do. Or even that God does. So don't do that, please. Tune in. Listen carefully. So he's talking to the fathers. Now obviously, obviously this applies to the mother as well. The mother is not exempt from this biblical mandate or command. It is to the parents, but specifically to the dads. And here he goes. And ye fathers, parents, provoke not your children to wrath. Say, so preacher, what does that mean? Well, it really literally carries the idea of antagonizing your children. Don't antagonize your kids. Don't, don't so frustrate them because of your dominance and because maybe your personality or even your harshness or your coldness or your critical spirit. Don't drive them to frustration intentionally or even unintentionally. I had a dad one time, a very godly man, approached me I was the youth, youth pastor here. Y'all know that. And this godly dad approached me. 
And he said, brother, I, I, I sure would love to talk to you about something. So we went into my office. And his lip began to quiver. And he began to cry. He said, I feel like I need to tell you something that would be able to help you minister to my child more effectively. And I sat up and listened. I try to do that occasionally. He said, I love you, brother. He said, but I feel like you need to know that your sarcasm to my son is driving him away from this youth group. You talk about a sledgehammer? That was heavy. I didn't realize I was doing that even. And you know what? There have been times when my dear bride has had to say, Honey, privately, honey, I really feel like you need to reconsider your approach to such and such because it doesn't seem to be working on either Andrew or Elisha. You seem to be frustrating him more than you're helping him. So why would, a, why would a wife tell her husband that? Why would a husband tell his wife that? Because we want to be careful not to provoke our children to wrath. God didn't say don't discipline. God didn't say don't correct. In fact, we'll get into that in just a moment. God didn't say not to hold a tough line on something. But he did say be careful. He did say be spirit-filled and Let your parenting be governed by the Spirit even so that you don't provoke your children to wrath. So that you don't annoy them and purposely antagonize them. And listen, gang, listen. The Lord didn't call us to be drill instructors. There's a difference in a parent and a drill instructor. God didn't call us to be a drill sergeant. He did call us to be the parent. So he says, here's here's the negative admonition. Don't provoke your kids to wrath. But here's the positive. He says, you bring them up. Bring them up. Notice the wording. Bring them up. It's the idea of leadership. Not dictation. Not driving them. Children are not cattle. They can't be driven. Children are sheep. So they must be what? Led. You have to lead your children. You have to guide your children. You have to, you, literally, the text implies you shepherd them. You shepherd their hearts. I appreciate Ted Tripp, who wrote a book years ago, parents, if you've never read it, please go read it. It's called Shepherding Your Child's Heart. It's powerful. It's very biblical. But that's the concept of this text, Ephesians 6, 4. Bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Nurture. What a tender word. Literally carries the idea of providing almost in our terminology like a greenhouse effect for your kids. 
providing the nutrients necessary as you take that tender plant and you plant it in the soil and you're providing everything necessary. And it is, to a certain degree, a controlled environment, right? Because why? It's a tender plant. And you can't expose the tender plants at the wrong time to the natural elements. You have to do it gradually. You have to do it appropriately. And you have to do it in a way that when they're strong enough to handle it, then you expose them to the natural elements. Then you plant them in a different kind of soil. In the right timing and in the right way. After they have stabilized and they have a certain degree of strength. See, God in his infinite wisdom. And I love this analogy though about the whole greenhouse and the proper soil and environment. Because there's a, there's a, seems like a disagreement among parenting styles and parenting philosophy. Even when it comes to things like education and things like that. And environment and surrounding. And here's. Here's this, this talk that we say. Well, I want my kids to be exposed to the real world. And I understand what you mean by that. And sometimes if we're not careful though, that there is, that, by the way, there is a biblical balance to walk. And sometimes we err on either extreme. Either we always, 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 always shield our children And we're so, so, so protective, overprotective, that in the right time, even when it's time for them to kind of step out, we still huddle and shield and hide. That's not, that's not healthy. But neither is this. When you take a tender plant, y'all with me? And you expose that tender plant when it's not ready. To everything that the natural elements have to offer. Are y'all with me tonight? Say amen. There is a biblical balance. And God will give you wisdom and discernment. On when the right stages and steps are for your child. I I see a lot airing over here. That long before they're ever ready. We're opening the door. And doing that number. All right, go, go. And they're not ready. So there's all kinds of stuff in this text and in this passage. But the bottom line is it's my responsibility and her responsibility to shepherd our children's hearts. And sir, ma'am, God wants you to shepherd your child's heart. And that means this, gang, listen carefully. Your child's heart must be captured by you. Now, they will give you their heart. But know this, you can't demand your child's heart. You have to capture it. You have to win it. You can't order them to give you their heart. You can't take their heart by force. It's something that they voluntarily give to the parent. 
It has to be earned. It has to be won. It has to be cultivated. It has to be protected. So let me give you just three thoughts tonight as we come down the home stretch. If you're still with me, say amen. amen. Number one, assume, assume your God-given responsibility. What is your God-given responsibility? Go to Deuteronomy 6 in your Bible, please, would you? Fifth book in the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6. The term Deuteronomy itself refers to the restating of the law. So here in chapter 6, Moses is restating what God had already said. Moses knew he was going to pass off the scene very soon. They were on the precipice of going into the promised land. So he, he's, he's restating all this for them. But notice verse 6, please. Deuteronomy 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Stop right there. Moses says, now here's, here's the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Parents, 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 it is your responsibility to teach these things. What things, preacher? Well, obviously God's word. Obviously, the things of the Lord. Obviously, this is called the Torah uh, there in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God all your heart, soul, and might. It's the Shema. All of Israel's law rested upon this command. Jesus said in the New Testament, this is the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God. And now Moses is saying, now parents, moms, and dads, and even down the road, he mentions grandparents. It is your responsibility. Listen, it's your responsibility, your responsibility to teach this. Whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. I thought that was the Sunday school teacher's responsibility. I thought that was, that was the day school teacher, the Christian day school teacher's responsibility. I thought it was, uh, uh, I thought it was the youth pastor's responsibility, wherever he is. I, I thought that was Brother Chris and those that serve in kid church. I thought it was their responsibility to teach that. Preacher, I thought that was your responsibility. No, God said this is the parent's responsibility. Remember, write this down somewhere. God instituted the home long before he ever instituted the church. These things which I command thee this day shall be in your heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently, diligently, diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when you sit down in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when you liest down, when thou risest up. Verse 7 is very interesting. It not only talks, puts the burden on the parent, but it talks about how diligently. Then it talks about where. It talks about when. He says in the house, when you're walking around, when you're lying down, so in the evening, in the morning, and as you're walking through the house, as you're, here it is, as you're living life, fulfill your biblical responsibility as a parent. 
What is that? It is to be genuinely godly and then to teach your children to be genuinely godly. That's it in a nutshell. He doesn't mention anything about Sunday morning. He doesn't mention anything about Christian school. He doesn't mention anything about, no, no. He says, you be godly, you love the Lord, and then you teach your kids to love the Lord. In casual times, but then in concentrated times. You see, there are times when riding down the road, I'm supposed to be talking about Jesus. And then there are times when we're praying as a family or when we're instructed as a family. I'm to be deliberate, but it is to be not just concentrated and intentional. It is to be casual at times, just natural conversation. Have your kids ever, 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 your kids ever caught you doing right? Hey, Dad, has your kids, have your kids ever busted up in your room and caught you praying? Kids, or parents, have your kids ever eavesdropped on a phone conversation and heard you encourage somebody in the Lord? I like what Ted Tripp said. Listen to what he said. It's a lengthy quote, but listen carefully. He said, recognizing that God has called you to function as his agent. This defines your task as a parent. You're God's agent. Our culture has reduced parenting to providing care, he said. Parents often see the task in these narrow terms. The child must have food, clothes, a bed, and some quality time. And then that's it, they say. But in sharp contrast to such a weak view of parenting, God, he said, has called you to a more profound task than being just a care provider. You shepherd your child in God's behalf. The task God has given you is not one that can be conveniently scheduled. It is a pervasive task. Training and shepherding are going on whenever you are with your children. What a statement. Whether walking, talking, waking, or resting, you must be involved in helping your child to understand life, to understand himself, and to understand his own needs from a biblical perspective. Question. How are we doing at that? Let's make an individual tonight. How are you doing at that? Have you, are you standing your ground and standing in your position in this God-given responsibility? Or have you been a little slack lately? Have you taken a little vacation from that? Because it got hard, and it is hard, and it's difficult, and I mean it's daily. you got to overcome yourself in order to do this. Let the Holy Spirit of God fill you and empower you. Number one, assume your God-given responsibility. You still with me? Say amen right now. All right, look at me right here. Okay. Number two, establish clear, reasonable guidelines and consistently and compassionately enforce them. We're talking about biblical parenting here. We're talking about home defense. 
every home, every parent, every mom, every dad has to establish clear, reasonable guidelines. Let's just break this statement down. Clear and reasonable. That means you have to teach your kids what they are. That means you have to go over it often and often and often and often. Clear. Sometimes I feel like, friend, that we may make life a little too complicated at times. Keep it clear. Keep it reasonable. Again, God didn't call you to be a taskmaster. He called you to shepherd their heart and be a parent. But keep it clear. Keep it reasonable. But then you must consistently and compassionately enforce those guidelines. If the guidelines are not met, then there must be, there must be consequences that are age-appropriate. There has to be discipline. If all you have in your home is expectation and no discipline, then you have a circus. But then if all you have in your home is discipline and no compassion, you have a prison. Do you understand the balance? And I don't want to live in a circus, and I don't want to live in a prison. So you have to have both. And your kids don't want to live in a circus. Now, they may act like monkeys. (laughs) But they really don't want to live in a circus. How many of you know, how many of you learned that your kids and mine function best in an environment of order? Sure they do. Every kid's like that. And while they may say they don't want the order, they really do deep down and they do appreciate it. So you can't have a circus. They don't need to live in a circus, but they don't need to live in a prison either. Can I get an amen right there? Although at times, and here's where you need the understanding of the Spirit of God and you need some courage and you need some discernment. Okay, there are times when no child, no child is going to agree on any policy that is set for them. Okay, so just go ahead and know that. And just because they say that it's unreasonable doesn't necessarily make it so, right? <laughs> I'll never forget, and I, I, he's in here, and uh, some time back, I made a decision about something with one of our sons. And every parent has heard this. Well, Dad, I'm the only one who blah, 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 blah. And my response was, first of all, you're not the only one, but even if you were, I don't care that you're the only one that doesn't get to do such and such. And he got real quiet, real quiet. It was at supper, and so I continued to eat, and he was very silent, and all of a sudden, He looked at me and said, Dad, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I feel like I'm being raised by a communist dictator. (laughs) I looked at him and I said, you are, don't ever forget it. My name is Vladimir. That's what I said. (laughs) And then I thought about it for about three more bites. And then I looked at him and I said, Son, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) 
so they won't always agree. But you have to have that balance, though, gang. And the Lord will give you discernment, praise the Lord. He will. If you're walking close to Him and you and your wife are communicating with Him and you're communicating with one another, He'll let you know if you're being too tough or too lenient. But you've got to establish the boundaries. And you've got to be reasonable, but you've got to be consistent. You can't, you, can't bust, you can't bust them for doing the same thing one week and the next week you get them, let them get by with it and not have any consequences. Or you can't let something slide and then the next day when you're in a foul mood or you're hangry, you can't blow up on them for it. Right? You want to drive them away? That'll do it quicker than lickety-split. I don't even know what that means, but it'll do it sure as the world now, I'm going to tell you. One writer wrote this, and I believe it's true, and I'm trying to learn how to do this now, you know, 16 years into this. Take a gospel approach to parenting. I'm trying to learn what that means. That means that my kids don't always need to see me as the Gestapo. I need to hold the line. But it has more to do with my disposition than it does with any position that we hold to. Right? You see, remember last week we read a passage on Sunday night that talked about how God our Father, our Father God, grants us gifts in the heart of our God. I believe that's the kind of heart God wants every dad to have. Not that you give your child everything he wants, but you, you have that balance and you have that disposition about you. You have that spirit where you're not the ogre, but you're a strict father, you're a strict mother, you're a disciplinarian, but at the same time, you've got that tenderness in your spirit, you see. That's the biblical balance. And all God's people said, and finally, number three, and I'm going to close with this because y'all are flaking out on me. You got your mind on food and football. Number three, make your home the most pleasant place to be. I don't mean any disrespect when I say this. There were times growing up for me when my home environment was more of a hell than a heaven or a haven. And I told my wife when we got married, honey, I'm telling you one thing I surely won't. And I don't even know, and I remember saying this, I don't even know how to create this. One of the things I want to make sure is that our home is always a haven. It has to be. I want it to be a place where I can't wait to get back to. Because there were so many times I remember pulling up in my driveway when I was a teenager and a college student. And I remember thinking, and again, no disrespect. I remember thinking, boy, I wish, I, I wish there was somewhere else to go. I don't want my kids feeling like that ever. 
I want home to be the place they want to be. How do you make home the most pleasant place to be? One writer said this, the most powerful way to keep your children from being attracted by the offers of the wicked is to make home an attractive place to be. Let me give you five words and we'll pray. Number one, laugh. Laugh at home. Laugh with your kids. Laugh with your wife. Laugh with your husband. I got under conviction some time back because something happened and (laughs) one of my sons said, Dad, go ahead and laugh. You know you want to. (laughs) Dad, you know that was funny. Go ahead. Laugh. It's okay. And when they said it's okay, I got under conviction. And then I thought, Christian, how long has it been since your boys heard you laugh or saw you laugh? Sometimes I can take life too seriously. And so can you. And there are some serious things. And sometimes I carry the serious things on into my house. And I don't need to. I need to leave it in the driveway. That's good for some of you too, right? It's not just for the preacher. That's for you. Leave some serious stuff in the driveway at times. Don't take it in the house. Laugh. Kids by nature... Isn't it funny how God programmed kids to laugh? Don't ever lose your laugh. Let your house be a place of laughter, a place of having a good time. Number two word, play. Play. Play with them. If you have small kids, get down on the floor, play with them. Last night we (laughs) ran into... Joe and Judy Palantino, we were talking about things, and, and I told a story a few years ago where I came home from the church one day, and the boys started jumping on me. I was laying on my bed, and that doesn't happen much in the evening. And they came in, and all three of us started wrestling. And I started getting beat. And Elisha thought he was, I reckon, Sting jumping off the top ring rope. Uh, not that you know who Sting is, I hope you. But anyway, <laughs> he was one of the apostles. But anyway, <laughs> no, <I> was, <laughs> he, he jumped off with his knee, brother, and boom, nailed me right here. I couldn't move, breathe, think, pray, talk. I didn't go to the doctor because I don't think I needed to or had to to confirm that I had a cracked rib. I guarantee you I did. I mean, for like a month, I couldn't, I couldn't breathe deep. <laughs> I'm, like, oh. I'm like, all right, we done. <laughs> Wrestling days are over with now. Hey, let's, let's thumb wrestle. How about that? I can still win. Eeny, meeny, meeny, meeny. But play together. Spend time together is what I'm saying. Let your hair down a little bit. Play. Play a board game. 
My boys love to play sorry. I love them, but I hate that game. <laughs> it requires no strategy, no skill, nothing. I mean, I, but hey, the other night we sat down and played sorry. Mexican train. All those games that most people have never heard of. The other night we played Uno and this newfangled kind of Uno where you write your own rules. There's one particular card that you can write anything on there. And it was some silly rule that somebody made up at home that you had to draw until you drew a certain color. That mess is an abomination from below, I can tell you that right now. Play. Laugh. Play. Talk. I read something sometime back that said the average dad, the average dad only spends... Less than 60 seconds per day with each child. You can't, I can't shepherd my boys' hearts on 60 seconds a day. Talk. They need to hear you talk. They need to hear your heart. You reveal your heart when you talk to them and they reveal their heart to you when they talk back. They open up and share. Four, listen. Listen to your kids. Listen to them. Don't cut them off. Don't always try to correct what they're saying. Well, well, I mean, what they're saying is not accurate. What they're saying is not right. I, 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 I. No, no, no. Let them talk. Let them finish what they're saying. Don't cut them off. Resist the urge to correct all the time. Let them breathe a little bit. Let them share what's on their mind, their heart. And then you can talk about it when they're done. Let them talk. Because if you're not careful, you'll stifle them and cut them off so much that their spirit will draw up. They're going to talk to somebody. They're going to share with somebody. I want them to be sharing with me. The finest art of communication, someone said, is not learning how to express your thoughts. The finest art of communication is learning how to draw out the thoughts of other people. And that's true. Learn to draw the thoughts out of your kids. That's why I I believe guys in this daddy-daughter date night, and I don't have a daughter, but buddy boy, if you have daughters, you go take your daughters on dates. Did you hear me? Take your daughters out. Just talk. Listen to them. Make them feel special. You let them know how how a real man treats a young lady. And then finally, pray. Pray. How many of you believe your kids ought to learn how to pray? Raise your hand. Put your hands down. Where are they going to learn that? Well, CP, that's what I send them to Faith Christian Academy for. Nope. No, it's not. Now, I hope they get help and learn to pray better. Well, that's why I send them to Sunday school. That's why, hey, 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 that's why we have a staff. Nope. 
your kids are going to learn how to pray or they're going to learn not to pray based on what they see in mom and dad. Pray as a family. Pray silently. Pray alone. Pray with them. Pray for them. Let them pray. Let them pray. You teach them how to pray. They'll pray. And turn your home into the place to be. Turn your house into the place. Hey, 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 so-and-so, you want to come? To- no, i tell you what, won't you come to our house? Well, i, I tell you, I, I, I just want to be home. Just won't be home. Make your home a haven for your kids. Let's pray together tonight.